This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate you. People have been dropping five-star reviews in the comments, so you can drop those in as well. Because guess what? What we don't do on this show is hide greatness because that's what we are we we speak it into existence we believe in that on this show so yeah if you have a problem with that do pound sand kick rocks all that good stuff but um also want to let you all know that we are part of we're on your fire stick we're on roku as well so yes atl day ones and locked on sports atlanta is expanding so make sure you check us out on all platforms there is no excuse why you shouldn't be rocking with us monday through friday now t I think there's something when it comes to Atlanta Braves, you know, when it comes to certain situations, we're just going to have to get used to it. We'll talk about that. And are the Georgia Bulldogs better than they were last year? We'll discuss. And last but not least, in for the culture, I think this guy, his name is Robert Sarver. This is probably the best decision he's ever made in his life. And it's by far. (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk about that how far that is how deep that is and, and for the culture but first t we had to talk about last night the the braves get the, the dub against the washington nationals um kenley jansen is what i was talking about we're going to get used to he scared us again i'm talking about by the the most weirdest way by yeah. bunts like people were literally bunting for hits and getting on base and then of course you got the error by matt olsen and it just yeah. it was just a lot going on t but you know obviously the braves end up getting the save kenley jansen has that meme well like yeah i got it done i don't care how you feel about it right but you know i just think that you know this is our, our Will Smith. This is a 2022 right. version of Will Smith, and we're going to have to roll with it as we get ready to ramp up for the playoffs. You really will. And it is going to be okay because somehow, some way, I'm just going to keep telling myself that. But I, and, and so listen, when a team strategizes with a butt, sometimes that is very difficult to kind of manage for. And hey, Kenley Jansen escaped. That's all that right. matters. Yeah. A W is what the Braves got last night, which is a good thing. But I wanted to go back to what you said about Matt Olson because we just spoke about him yesterday and how, yes, he is trending up a little bit, but I believe he was the guy that you chose outside of, of course, Acuna Jr. when we talked about Dansby, Austin. And, you know, just when we looked at and framed the top of the order, essentially, Matt Olson was the one you called out and said, hey, you have to produce at the plate because what you do on defense what you do when you're not at the plate, it's not as substantive or meaningful as what Austin Riley does at third or what Dansby does at short or what Ronald Acuna Jr. does in right field. You at first base, uh, you at the plate, uh, you at the base. So you, what, what happened last night, that error is unacceptable because Matt Olson, pretty much, what was it, 0-1 last night? So right. at the end of the day, if that's what you're going to be at the plate, you most certainly can't have errors. And we know 
even looking at the bigger picture, as things really start to wind down and the Braves are trying to use every opportunity that they have to be like a tune-up for the right. Mets, no errors allowed. Yeah, no doubt. You can't you can't have that type of stuff. That's a, that's the type of stuff that that will get you beat in the playoffs. And of course, Matt Olson in your first year, you do not want to be re the reason or the main reason why the Braves lose a playoff game. Because guess what Freddie Freeman is doing over there uh, on the other side of the world, over there of this country? He is doing Freddie Freeman things. And we definitely don't want you to have to feel the wrath of Atlanta PS PTSD, excuse me, uh, when it comes to uh, professional sports. But T, um, there is this, Arthur Smith has some interesting things to say uh, when it comes to the start of 2021 versus the start of 22 we'll get to that but before we get to that t tell the folks about what's going on at betonline.net so a betonline.net that is the place where you go for all of your sports betting info so if it's the nfl and you're kind of wondering what's that line looking like for the falcons and seahawks for this weekend both teams owing to trying to get their first dub of the year Go to betonline.net. It'll give you the information on what the line looks like, who's favored, and how that line moves on a day-to-day -day basis. The same thing for the NBA. Jarvis and I spoke to you guys on our Tuesday episode about the fact that on CBSSports.com, six Hawks made the top 100 for their list of top players for 2022. So then the question becomes, do, do those kind of articles and that kind of information move the needle as far as the Hawks being a favorite to maybe take it all? Again, that's where you find out that answer on betonline.net. And it doesn't just stop with our major sports. Also, we talk about specialty sports like MMA and golf. You can find out information there, too. If you're a novice, all good. If you're a pro, an expert, all good. Because guess what? An expert or a novice can get the information they need with all the podcasts that are available through the betonline.net family. So check that out, betonline.net, because that is where the game starts. Like I mentioned before, you talk about bet online. Yeah, go ahead. You got a lot of good information just for you. Now, here is what Arthur Smith has to say about when he was asked about the start last year versus this year. And was there any difference? progress we feel a lot better right where we're at offensively after two games than we did a year ago if that's a comparison protecting well pockets have been clean for the most part we run the ball relatively well I don't disagree with anything he had to say to you when when you think about where this team is and you know mm -hmm. last year I think there is a big a big difference now obviously the end results are the same obviously mm -hmm. you can just look at it from that standpoint but sure. I think that the Falcons are have made progress like I said that's been a word for the past couple of days on on this particular on this particular show um so I think that you know Arthur Smith with a pretty decent assessment of it where his team is I would have to agree. If you look at it from the statistical perspective, there are there's support for that as well. And it may be minor support, but hey, four sacks is four sacks is four sacks this season after two games versus three sacks last year. And I feel like still four sacks is the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see um, from the defense this year. Right. Whereas at three. Right. We kind of felt like after two games, that was indicative of what we were going to see. And we were right because the rest of the way, you only got 15. So I think that's one key component as well. The other key is this. We're looking at Tyler Algier 
for the first time in a regular season game last week. And maybe the yardage wasn't there, but I think you made that great statement that it's not all about the stats or even about the, the win-loss record. It's about what you saw in him relative to what could have been in game one had you had another reliable back behind CP if you didn't want to ride him again. Now you know that you've got somebody that as the season goes on, you can ride. And I think that's especially important because depending on whether you go with Mariota, because we all think that he is what he is, or whether you go with Ritter and you've got to wait for him to trend up. So that means your passing game may take a hit for a minute. Good to have that running game, which I think is in much better shape than last season. I think the O-line is also in better shape than it was last season. So that's another reason why I feel like you're going to see some success because whoever's behind center or under center, at least we know that person is has a fighting chance <laughs> to actually not be on the ground more than he's standing up right. And, and you know what? That was one of the questions that I had coming into this season. Like, mm-hmm. what are the surrounding pieces going to look like? Because, you know, we talked about ad nauseum about whether or not it should be Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. And we came to the conclusion that, hey, it should be Mariota. That's what you brought him mm-hmm. in for. He's the sure. vet, right? But to, after these two games, I think everybody has come to the conclusion that, you know what? The offensive line has been protecting a little mm-hmm. bit better. You yeah. know, Marcus Mariota is not necessarily running for his life. Right. every other down or right. he doesn't look like he's on the way to get sacked 40 times like Matt Ryan has d- did in the last few years so mm-hmm. I think when you have all of those pieces and then you you see us some consistency in the running game mm-hmm. and you know those are the two things that I think that Arthur Smith wants and needs in order for this team to be successful this year so I, I think that those are the, some, some of the things that, you know, we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on as mm-hmm. the uh, Falcons, you know, they take on the Seahawks. They stay out on the West Coast um, at 425 games, a late kick again. So we will we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Another thing we keep an eye, have been keeping an eye on is how good Georgia has been looking. <laughs> Coming up next, though, we're going to discuss whether or not they actually are better than they were last year. Yeah, we know. They won a national championship. We'll talk about that next. So ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and T, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ATL Day 1s. I am Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And we appreciate you guys for being our fan base, our supporters. It's nothing like you guys. You leave us great comments. You leave us five-star reviews wherever you download your podcast. And now we just know that you are going to start watching us now that you can on Amazon Fire and Roku. In fact, you know what? I'm kind of interested to see how it looks on the bright lights myself. So under the bright lights, I'm going to go check us out on Roku after this show. But you can also continue to watch us on YouTube if that's what works for you, because we're near 4,000 subscribers for this entire Locked On Sports Atlanta network. So just keep supporting us and just know that we appreciate everything that you do. And you know what else we appreciate? We appreciate the effort that Georgia has put forth so far this season. It's been absolutely bonkers what they've been able to do (laughs) through three weeks this season. And so, Jarvis, whenever you got good on good, so to speak, when you look at 2021 versus 2022, you cannot help but make comparisons, right? And that's what everybody's kind of pondering at this point in this early part of the season on whether or not the dogs of 2022 are better than the dogs of 2021. But I think that there may be some nuances to that question as well. I don't think it's as cut and dry as a yes or no to that question. So I would say, Jarvis, it's not just, and of course, feel free to answer this question. And you guys feel free to comment in the chat as well. And we'll bring it back to our audience tomorrow to let them know what your feedback is. But the question, guys, is this. Looking at 2021, looking at 2022, 
which team is actually better, last year's or this year's? Or when you dig down deeper, who's better, who's worse, and maybe components are better or worse? What do you think? You know what? The first thing that comes to my mind is I think about how great that defense was last year, right? It was something that – that was something to see. Those <laughs> are some of the things that I think that you have to take in, into consideration when you talk about the way the college football game is played in today's world. It, it's not necessarily about defense and it's about right. offense. It's about, mm -hmm. you know, hey, how many points can you put up? How many how many ways can your offensive coordinator embarrass opposing defense coordinators? I think yeah. that's the thing. That's the way to go because that's yeah. how athletic directors hire, right? Presidents mm -hmm. will come. They want to know, hey, how many points can you put up? Or how many points have you put up in your past at your previous school when, when these offensive coordinators are going for these jobs? So I think mm -hmm. that – you know, that's the first thing that kind of jumps out to mind. But fast forward this year, mm -hmm. you know, the defense has played really well and yeah. it's on pace to, you know, do some things. But you obviously mm -hmm. you there are some chinks in the armor, you know, so to speak, because you would like them for them to sack the quarterback more. But yeah. it's just yeah. a matter of they're just better than everybody they played so far. Mm -hmm. But I have to talk about the offense. The yeah. offense, I think, from 2021 to 2022 is much better this year and not necessarily because of who they have on, on the offense. It's because I feel like that Kirby Smart has taken the reins off of, mm -hmm. of this offense, right? Or taking yeah. the gloves off for Todd mm -hmm. Munkin. Todd Munkin, he Todd Munkin has earned his trust. He was like, sure. all right, I did it your way last year. Hey, let me let me open this bad boy. We have a veteran quarterback, a guy mm -hmm. who understands what I'm trying to do on offense, and, yeah. and he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to get the ball out quickly because that's my plan. That's right. why how I make sure he's safe, he stays mm -hmm. safe with these you know different guys on the offensive line and how they've been rotating and doing all of what they're doing up front. And that while they figure that out up front, here's what I'm going to do, coach. And mm -hmm. I think that Kirby Smart is all in on that plan, and I think that that's why I believe – that this team in 2022 has the potential to mm -hmm. be better yes. than the 2021 offense simply because of what the type of talent that you have on your squad. Now you can kind of use that a little bit more because, mm -hmm. hey, you know, you, you know, you're always going to keep some good running backs, right? But there are some receivers in that room that you can get the ball to quickly and those guys can make plays. My, my main man, Lad McConkey. You know, he's been doing his absolute thing because you mm -hmm. have to be able to do your thing with a name like that, Lad McConkey. So, yes. but yeah, the long, long answer for you know a short question. Yes, I think that this team potentially could be uh, uh, a little bit better than last year because of those reasons just laid out. Yeah, I'll give twenty twenty one the nod because they already have the chip, but that's only because that's they already yeah. have the chip. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, so Can't predict the future, right? Yeah, small sample size for twenty twenty two. But I love the word potential, and that's what I'm going to stick on this 2022 team. But to break it down a little bit more, I don't know if there's any area where you can actually call Georgia worse than last year because I just don't yeah. see that there's been that much of a drop-off anywhere. But like you, I agree that we can definitely say that there's a marked improvement on the offensive side in terms of the aerial attack. And right. it starts with, like you said, Todd Bunkin allowing Stetson Bennett to do some more things, kind of opening things up, but also a tight end room that is just undeniably better than it was last year to the point where you don't even miss the likes of a George Pickens or you don't even think too much about the fact that RBU is not quite RBU as it was last year getting close though. Same thing on defense. Like, 
that's a generational defense that we saw last year. That was where the bulk of the 15 dogs that got drafted came from on the defensive side. However, by the end of the season, you never know what you might be saying because two things come to mind for me. Jalen Carter is still better up front than anybody that got drafted last season, as long as you know his body allows it, him to be as such. And I would venture to say by the end of the season, we will be saying that this secondary, as far as being guided and being grounded by Malachi Starks, you will not be able to, that, that secondary might at the end of the day end up showing itself statistically because of Starks to be the better secondary. Speaking of always getting better, we never have anything bad, worse, or ugly to say about it. That's Coffee AM. CoffeeAM.com backslash locked on is the website that you need to go to. I'm going to tell you why in just a second, because here's the thing. There are some things in life that you have to understand that you need to delve into. You need to go to. You need to experience. And what I experience when I go through Coffee AM each and every morning is a taste of just going somewhere. I, I, it takes me a certain place, right? Because I have the rainforest crunch. Oh my <laughs> goodness, it is so amazing. It like it hits me. That smell hits me. And then when I hear that that that, that the tinkling of the coffee going into my coffee cup, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait for the, to, to taste this bad boy. I almost <laughs> said something that I had to pause after, but I didn't. I'm good. I'm proud of myself. But T, um, I think that that you know all of those different type of coffees, like you have the rainforest crunch, you have the Kenya K cups, you know, um. The Tanzania pea, pea berry, you know, all of those different types of flavors and everything that, yeah. that they have for you. It's, it's the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. Now, here's the incentive to go to that website that I mentioned earlier. Um, go ahead and drop in the coupon code box. Locked on, you're going to get 15% off all gift sets and teas and coffee. All of that, all of that. You're going to get off your first order, 15% off. Coffeeam.com, backslash locked on, drop in the coupon code box locked on and you're going to get 15 percent off go ahead and pull up on the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country yes and when jarvis talks about coffee am that way it's almost like you can smell the coffee being brewed and that's up in the north area north atlanta north georgia so it's almost like you can get it all the way here on the south side or the east side that's actually a good aroma not so much a good aroma coming from Midtown right about now. Over in the flats. The Tech is doing over there. <laughs> Woo, man, not a good look at all. We talk about Georgia being absolutely amazing and arguably even better at the end of the day than they were last year. Georgia Tech, however, it almost feels like in moments, Jarvis, that they have actually regressed. And we're at a point right now where there's growing sentiment that Jeff Collins' days are indeed numbered. At Georgia Tech so you look at it and you say what if anything can even be done at this point for Collins to save his job nothing um, because when you think about how he's structured this program I can't say built because it's not really like you don't have anything like yeah. the product has been very bad you know uh, these past three plus years so when, and I think how he struck this program, you went through the whole marketing campaign for the fall mm -hmm. four and then the right. Waffle House Cups. And, mm -hmm. and you know, you got a lot of people excited initially right. and you, you sold, sold, literally sold people on, mm -hmm. you know, what you were going to do for this team. You know, and in, in the beginning, you know, that started to work for you because you had that grace as far as the product on the field. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to take some time to transition out 
of the whole Paul Johnson era, and you kind of right. joked at that, right? You sure. know, like, hey, it's gonna take some time, you know, to get, you know, get yeah, to, get away from to be able to run a real offense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you know, you know, the middle school offense or whatever you want, whatever, however you refer to it as. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you have all of those determining factors, you know, and it doesn't come to fruition, like there are reasons to say, hey, there's nothing you can do, and right. hey, you just buying time at this point. But mm-hmm. I think that. You know, when you talk about, and it was kind of, you know, doing some research, I was just looking at, like, some of his, like, his record. Like, he's only won 10 games in, yes. in three-plus years. Yes. And two of those wins against FCS schools, T. Yep. Like, so, you know, then you're losing to Northern Illinois. You're losing to mm-hmm. the Citadel. Like, yeah. it it's just has been a, an embarrassment. And, yeah. like, from alumni to former players, everybody mm-hmm. feels the same way. So, I think that there's nothing you can do. And I think that it's not a matter of if Jeff Collins gets fired, it's a matter of when he gets fired. It is definitely a matter of when he gets fired. And for whoever comes in, whether that is an established name, like we've been hearing in the news and kind of rumblings of them considering Deion Sanders or would Urban Meyer Mm. come or would John Gruden come. So whether they try to go after an established coach or whether they go after a coordinator who's on the come up like a Todd Monkey, just as an example, like a coordinator who has had success and is having success at a big time program and someone who will desperately need to cut into the juggernaut that's known as Georgia recruiting, like UGA recruiting, that's really what's going to determine whether or not this program is ever relevant again or is relevant in the near future. So whoever gets that gig, once Jeff Collins departs, that's going to be a tall order. But when you think about a tall order, it seemed like just 24 hours ago, the NBA, and for that matter, the WNBA had a tall order for getting rid of something that doesn't smell so right in their ranks, but it looks like they may be on their way to getting back on the good foot. We'll talk about that in For the Culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. We want to say thank you for rocking with us through the entire show. We really appreciate you. We thank you as we are headed towards 4,000 subscribers. We really appreciate you for all of you who have hit that subscribe button. If you have not, what are you waiting on? Um, if you want to be great in life, sometimes you just got to step out there. So go ahead and hit that button. Hit the subscribe button, hit that like button, and wherever you download your podcast, give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Drop them in the comments as well on, on, if you're watching us on YouTube. We thank you in advance. Now, but T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, culture, and entertainment. And sometimes, what well, we want to talk about? Because that's just how we get down on this particular show. Today is no different. It's because you know, Robert Sarver, owner of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury um, in the WNBA um, has come out, released a statement about that he will be seeking buyers for those particular teams. Now, for those of you who don't know who've been hiding under the rock, Robert Sarver just recently just got um, suspended for a year from the NBA and uh, had a $10 million fine, and obviously there were a lot of people calling for his neck. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, you know, trying to call for his neck. And then Adam Silver kind of essentially pushed back and said, hey, there's not really much we can do. Or do I have a video of him saying all of this stuff? That mm-hmm. may push the, um, push the needle. But, you know, Star, um, um, Sarver has come out and said in a statement that, hey, he is seeking buyers for the Phoenix Sun and Phoenix Mercury. T, how big is that? It's the right thing to do. Because when you think about an owner who owns – 
a WNBA team. And many of the allegations are what he did and what he perpetrated on women. All right. of it just speaks wrong, wrong, and wrong, especially if you know anything about the WNBA and some of the social stances that they have taken over the years and how supportive they are of women's rights and equality and positivity in the workplace. Everything he did, and we say allegedly, but there's evidence, maybe not video that yeah. uh, commissioner for NBA commissioner Adam Silver intimated, but there's evidence. And how can you keep someone like that, especially at the helm of the Mercury, flying in the face of all that is going on? I mean, the Mercury have had enough to deal with, with trying to keep everything together with Brittany Griner and then even losing Skylar Diggins-Smith yes. towards the end of the season for whatever reason. And now you've got to deal with this. That's just too much and for no good reason. Now, as far as the Suns are concerned, similarly, you just don't want that type of smoke. People have been kind of looking at that organization anyway, especially with the on-the-court product and wondering how are they going to get over the hump if they ever get over the hump. You don't need a distraction in the box. You just really don't. If you can just move on from someone like that, and let me just say this as well. Let's be real. There are a lot of owners out here who've done and said similar things. You just mm -hmm. have to be one that get, got caught. However, right. if you are the one that got caught, then you need to pay the consequences and be, unfortunately, kind of the poster child for the rest of the owners of what not to do. So that maybe if some of them have had that behavior in the past, they can stop. Or if there are potential owners who even remotely thought about having similar behaviors, maybe you'll think twice about it. No doubt about it. Because that's, that's the thing that, you know, when you think about, you know, overall, like when people who have a lot of money and particularly mm -hmm. old white men, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what we well, that's what we're dealing with in well, this particular yeah, situation. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of like when you have these, these type of situations, like I kind of feel Adam Silver like, hey, what can I do in today's world? Like you need hardcore evidence because nobody's going to believe that people are racist. Like that's the seem to be the one thing that. No, there's no way he's a racist. You know, like, like, like you just know, know his heart and know all of his intentions. You know, yeah. and even sorry in the beginning, he was denying a lot of the things that he said. Yeah. I've only said the N word one time. One. one thing, one thing that I know about people who use the N word that are not supposed to use it is that yeah. more than likely they're gonna use they use it a lot more times than you've heard yeah, them you use it. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's go and get that out the way. But I think that when you have a situation where he at least has some human decency mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I have a big ego and uh, I don't like being talked about in this manner. So yeah, I'm about to go ahead and cash out on my billions of dollars when I sell these two organizations. I hate to put it like that to you, but that's exactly what it is. <laughs> right, but you speak volumes with that one word, billions. Because when those other owners started looking at the math of it all, no different than with Donald Sterling, and tarnishing the reputation of the NBA that continues to build its brand globally, you mm -hmm. just don't want that kind of smoke. So I suspect that while there may not have been evidence in a visual form, I suspect that by the time those other 29 owners, the principal owners of those other teams on the NBA side and the other 11 owners on the NBA side, uh, WNBA side had a little say so they were looking at their bottom line and saying especially for the NBA this will affect our bottom line and for the WNBA he flies in the face of everything we stand for and that's somebody like like I said when we were pre-breaking earlier 
apply pressure. Yes, indeed. And I think, and I love what Draymond Green said. It's like, hey, have the guys vote on it. So yeah. we'll know and, and reveal all of these people who, who voted. Reveal the votes. Like, let, reveal the votes. Excuse me. So, yeah, that's, that's the type of stuff. Accountability matters in, in these particular situations because, like you said, there's a lot of money and power involved. And in order for those guys to be to be held to the same standard that they hold their players, yes. you know, there has to be something in there that kind of say, all right, if I do this or say this, this is what will happen. And I think that, you know, with Starver, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and sell this team. Good for you. Good for you. That's all I got to say. All right. But, T, before we get out of here, we got to talk about Javier Baez. Um, you know, obviously, we're down to Puerto Rico with Hurricane Fiona. It hit touchdown on Sunday. It was a lot of just grief and people dealing with losing power. And mm-hmm. it was just a lot going on down there. And, and I think that Javier Baez, you know, this is his home country, or native country, mm-hmm. excuse me. He, you know, has set up to where people can go out and eat for free. And he posted it on, I think it was on Instagram, and that, you know, hey, if you guys are looking for a hot meal, mm-hmm. go check this place out. And I think that for somebody to be able to give back in that manner, mm-hmm. you know, to their native country, where they come from, you know, I, I think it's just absolutely amazing. And this is the type of stuff that we want to be, be able to talk about on this show more so yeah. than the owner, you know, doing what he did. Yeah, and so important as well was the immediacy with which Javier Baez actually brought food. Because one of the things that you have to do is kind of get in there early and stay in there often. So I hope this is just one of many efforts from him and maybe other players around just Major League Baseball, but some of the other professional leagues as well. Because a lot of times when players owners, coaches actually stand up and highlight a situation, it does get more attention. Let's just be real. We're about it because it was Javier Baez, right? So right. this is a good thing for him to go in early and make sure everybody's aware of just what's going on. If you haven't seen the videos, check them out because it's going to take Puerto Rico a minute to recover from this. I mean, as a native New Orleanian uh, whose family went through Hurricane Katrina almost 20 years ago, and Hurricane Ida just a year ago, it, it's he's shining a spotlight early. I hope that the spotlight is shown on Puerto Rico often because, listen, the the process of healing and recovery that's going to be there for the long haul. So thanks again for Javier Baez doing what he did. And again, you guys go everywhere you can, Google Puerto Rico. I am sure there's going to be some way, shape, or form that you can help because they're going to need it for a while. No different in Jackson, Mississippi, need our help as well. Hopefully, tomorrow we won't be talking about the Braves needing any will win this game. Hopefully, the, the man special that has just haunted them all season, hopefully they'll be able to get it done against a pitcher. And Paolo Espino, who's 0-7 this year, let's make him 0-8. Jarvis and I will download about it in the afternoon on Thursday and hopefully talking about Jarvis, a perfect homestand for the Braves. And of course, we'll talk a little bit more about the Falcons as they get set to take on the Seahawks and anything else that happens in the wide, wide world of sports in Atlanta. So as always, once you finish checking us out, make sure you check out Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. And you can do it on YouTube. You can do it where you download your podcast, Amazon, Fire, or Roku. Thank you guys again for stopping by. See you tomorrow. Y'all come back now, you Thank you.